0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with you. It's so fun to be back in Russellville, Arkansas. I lived here from the time I was two till about seven over on West 16th Street. It's funny, I was thinking this morning, I still remember my phone number even when I was seven years old, but it's so great. I get so nostalgic. Um, I'm sure is completely different than it was 30 years ago, but it's so great uh, to be back um, in this town. And so I'm so thankful to get to worship with you. I'm thankful for your partnership um, in sharing the gospel in Japan and and truly the the testimony that this church has of taking the gospel. Gospel to the ends of the earth. And as, as Blaine shared with you, when you think about Japan, the, go- the need for the gospel is probably not the first thing that comes to mind. You may think about um, the car you drive uh, and its connection Honda or Nissan or Toyota. You may think about um, a Japanese steakhouse or sushi. You may think about um, Mount Fuji, and if you're into climbing, you might think about Japanese fashion. You might think about a lot of people, surprisingly, are into Japanese cartoons. There's lots of different things that you may think about when when you think about Japan. But as Blaine shared with you, the number is 127 million people, 99.7% of them do not consider themselves Christian, do not know the gospel, have never heard the gospel, don't live close to a church, will not receive a Bible unless someone, something changes in their normal life. If you go to a bookstore in Japan, there's not a Bible there. And so there's no chance to run into the gospel. I think a lot of times when we think about sharing the gospel, we think about Unreached people groups. A lot of times we think about taking a plane and then a bus and then a boat, right? Somehow, like we're gonna canoe back to this river, we're gonna pull back these leaves, and immediately there's gonna be this tribe who's never heard of Jesus. And that exists, that exists in the 3.1 billion people that have never heard the gospel. But as we think about the second largest group who've never heard the gospel. They live in the largest city in the world. 33 million people live in the greater Tokyo area. The largest city in the world is connected to the second largest city in the world. Tokyo is connected to Yokohama. And for three hours, as you take a train or a bus, if it was a bus, it would be even longer, but three hours of what we would think of as like downtown New York City, Times Square, for three hours, that's Tokyo. And so we think about industrialized places, but also places that have never heard the gospel. And we think about people who will never hear the gospel. And so what a great Sunday, The Sunday after Easter, right? Because we know that what happened on Easter was that Jesus rose from the grave. And what was the next thing that Jesus did? After he rose from the grave, he appeared to over 500 people that saw him, right? And then as he ascended into heaven, he gave this great commission to go into all the world and to share the gospel to every nation and to every creature. That's the command that comes after Jesus' resurrection. And so that's what we celebrate today is that God has sent us to share the gospel. To the ends of the earth, and so um, about ten years ago, me and my wife Joni became missionaries. Uh, about eight years ago, we left for Japan to be um, to study Japanese language, and then um, about four years ago, we set about to plant a church. And about two years ago, we launched that church. And so, um, in the in the city called Tokorozawa, which is right outside of J- uh, the Greater Tokyo area. Um, There's two train lines that converge there. Um, There's a large amount of families that live. 100,000 people cross right in front of our church every Sunday. And so, uh, or every day, because you can reach out. If you were Jason Bourne, you could jump out of the window of our church and onto the train. And we're right there at the train tracks. And the reason why is because people have never been to church. And so we want to take away every possibility that they might, uh, that might stop them from going to church. And so we we prayed and asked God to give us a building right at the train station. And so when people say, where's your church? We say, one minute walk from the train station. You come out of the building and we're right there. And so God has given us this awesome opportunity to start a bilingual church um, where we can share the gospel in English and in Japanese. And our church is is a very international church. We have tons of people from Japan, but also people from all over the world. And um, the reason why we did a bilingual church was for two reasons. Number one, as we told you, the felt needs in Japan are not medical, they're not uh, physical, they don't need money, they don't need health care, they don't need all these normal things that we would maybe take when we go to a place that's never heard the gospel. And so one of the main needs that they have is to use English if you want to go overseas. Um, at all, whether it be for vacation or for your job, you have to learn English. And so um, a a drawing point for people to come to our church for the very first time is because it's in English. Um, And so uh, out of that, we've also been able to establish new team members who've been able to come and help and be involved immediately. People who come into our church who are from other countries can also um, learn and hear the gospel in their own language. And so we started a bilingual church about two years ago um, with the goal of just continuing to share the gospel. And so every Sunday, people come into our church that have never heard the gospel. They get a Bible for the very first time. And so our goal is to just share the gospel with as many people as possible. And we found that in Japan, we need to speak of Jesus early and often. A lot of times you hear people say that once we've known someone and become their friend and established the fact that that, that we're good people, then we want to speak of Christ. But what we've seen in Japan is that as we share the gospel with a hundred people, maybe one or two of them will respond and will want to study the Bible with us. And so we believe in speaking of Jesus early and often because we think how horrible would it be to be friends with someone for two or three or four years and then to speak of Christ because it's the most important thing in our life. And so over the last few years, the last couple of years as we've started our church, I just want to give you just a few pictures of people. We have, I think, some pictures, a picture here of my wife and a lady named Sana. Um, And I just want to give you just a little bit of the demographics. Because as you think about people who've never heard the gospel, as you think about the huge needs in Japan, that there's over 30,000 people a year um, over the last few years that have committed suicide, um, every year in Japan that happens. And that number was going down by a few thousand. It got down to about 25,000 people a year who are committing suicide. um, Every year in Japan, many times that looks like jumping in front of a moving train. And we think about that. That's the need in Japan. That is the need is that people are literally ending their life because they have no hope. And so as we think about that, the name of our church is Hope Alive. Because we want for people to know, even in the name, that there is hope in Jesus Christ. But how do you share the gospel with people who seemingly have no needs, who have no physical needs? And so we just began to pray that God would connect us with people that we could share the gospel with, right? That we could speak of Jesus early and often, and so my wife met this lady named Sana, and Sana was um, had a child the same age as our middle child, Micah, and they started kindergarten together. And at the parent teacher meeting, she said to my wife, she said, "What do you do?" And she said, "Well, we're missionaries. We just started a church." She said, "That's great. I've been looking for a church." She said, "A few years ago, I went to Australia, and I went to a church for the very first time. And I had and I'd never been to a church before, but I came back to Tokyo, and I said, i 'I'm going to find a church, and I want to be a part of it. I want to whatever they have there, I want to be a." Part part of it. And so she said, I looked for a church in my neighborhood and I couldn't find one. She said, so I kept searching and finally I found one. So a few months later I went. And at that time she had a young child. And those of you that have young child on Sunday morning will understand this. She said, I got to the front door and my child lost it and just crying uncontrollably. Right. Maybe some of you even had that experience this morning. Right. And, And so she said, so I ended up leaving. She said, so a few months later, I went back, and we see that this is not just a distraction. This is not just a coincidence. This is spiritual warfare and the darkness that would stop someone from even stepping foot in a church. She said, so the next, a few months later, I went back. I got to the door, and the same thing happened. My child lost it uncontrollably crying. And again, I was so embarrassed. It was so frustrating because I wanted to go to this church, and I never could, so I gave up. And so it's so great to meet you, Joni, she said to her. She said, because I've been wanting to study the Bible. I've been wanting to be a part of a church. Amazing. And so my wife began to study the Bible with her and her son and her became a Christian. Her, She began inviting all of her family. Her husband became became a regular part of our church, coming regularly, coming every Sunday, and now he's asking questions to his wife about what is the gospel, what does it mean for our lives. Um, and so what, that's what we want to see. That's a picture of hope, that we want to see more people like Sana who hear the gospel, who experience what it's like to come into a community of believers and say, I want to be a part of that. I want that, whatever that is. And then to see not only her, but her children and then her, and then her husband, her families come to Christ and so that is an amazing story that we have. We also have another person that I want to share with you is a, a man named Junpei. And Junpei is in the eighth grade. And the first time I met him, he just looks 35. He just looked my age. And so I walked up to him, hi, nice to meet you. What, what kind of job do you have? He said, middle school. And I was like, oh, Well, okay, yeah, that's great. Nice to meet you as well. He said, I know, I look old. And um, so as we got to know Junpei and his story, his family story, we learned that his father had just passed away, and his family started coming to our church. They became um, pretty regular, and then after a while they fell off, and we found out the reason was because they were paying $80 to come to church. There and back for their family to come was $80. Think about it. If it cost $80 to come to church, would you come regularly? Right? And so he, as they came in, they began to be a part of our church. And, um, he began to share with us that on the day his father died, he said, I will follow God. I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to follow God because I don't know what to do without my father. And so a few a few months later, that's when they became uh, part of our church, be- began to come, and he really wanted to, to be involved, and he, he became involved in our church. He helps with our live stream, and um, his mom, the, what's amazing about Japan is that in Japan, you really need to be um, like have your act together in middle school. And I don't know about you guys, but I sure didn't because in Japan, high school is not guaranteed. So starting in sixth grade, you you have to start um, doing good on your grades so that you get into high school. And if not, your parents will have to pay extra money to get you into a private school, um, or you may not even get to go into school. So in sixth grade, the pressure is difficult. In eighth grade, it's the the beginning of crunch time that if you don't get into a high school, it could be very difficult. And so Junpei is in eighth great. Um, and his mom came to us and said, I'm uh, at a volunteer night that we had. She said, I'm really excited. June pays a part of your church and I'm excited that he's beginning to, to know God. That's awesome. She said, but, um, he has an opportunity to study on Sundays with a great tutor who's offered him. Um, she said, but he, he doesn't want to, he told the tutor, no, actually, because he wants to be a part of church. And, we said, and, and she said, what do I do? And I said, well, I think God will honor the fact that Junpei is coming to church and being involved. And the minute I said that, I thought, and dear God, please help him to get in high school, right? Because all the pressure has now come on to me. Like, I think God will honor that. And God, won't you honor that? And so we began to pray, began to help. Um, we have two biology teachers, science teachers in our church. And so we, I said, well, what if he got tutored here after church? And we connected him with those tutors so that he could come to church still, but also um, begin to learn learn. Um, and he began to, uh, recently he, he got baptized at our church. And just a few weeks ago, I got a message from his mom and his mom said, you're not going to believe this, but Junpei got into high school. Praise God for that. We see how he's working. And so as we think about the ways that God is at work in Japan, these are people, these are just a few pictures. And I could tell you story after story about people who have come to faith, but there's also people like Mr. Sekiguchi-san, who's um, about 65 years old. He came to, our church, uh, before it was even a church when it was an English Bible study. And he sat there. Um, and I remember the second time he came, he said, so what kind of cult is this? And we're like, Oh, we're not a cult. And then we realized that you thought this was a cult, but you came back. And we were even more like blown away. And we're like, so how many Hope Alives are there? Well, there's only one Hope Alive. So there's only like 10 of us in this whole group. we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like we're a church. And we begin to share with him what it means to be a church and what a church is and what is the gospel. And so for the last two and a half years, he's come to our church regularly, consistently, faithfully. And he hasn't taken that next step of belief. He says, I believe, but I believe that there's plenty of ways to heaven. And so I'm not sure that I fully believe this, but he continues to, to come. And so as many of your churches did, our church also closed down um, for a couple months and we went to online only. We began to just do the service just like normal on Sundays, but we said, please just watch on Facebook, on YouTube, however, uh, please join there. So it came time for Sunday and Mr. Sekiguchi shows up. And we were like, oh, I'm so sorry. We probably didn't get the word out well. We're actually, you know, we're not meeting in person. Um, could you maybe um, just join online? That would be great. By the time you get home, you know, you still have some time. He said, is it okay if I sit right there? We're like, yeah, have a seat. And so he sat there. And so we we're like, oh, after church is over, let's just make sure we tell Mr. Sekiguchi, hey, we're not meeting in person anymore. And, um, you know, we're only going to be online. And he, and so then the next Sunday he came in, he said, Is it okay if I sit right there? We're like, oh, so he wants to keep coming. And he continued to come faithfully. He was our only church member. So on Sundays when I preached, there he was, like right there. I'm preaching to Mr. Sekiguchi, and he doesn't know, know Jesus, but we began to just share with him. And so we're praying. What I love about our church, Hope Alive, is that we have people who are a regular part of our church who do not know Jesus, but they come, and we hope that they will find hope in our community and that eventually they will take that step. And so when we preach every Sunday, we get to share the gospel in ways with people who've never heard it or are continually hearing it for the very first time. And we're hoping to for God that, that he will do amazing things in their life. And so it's not just Mr. Sekiguchi, but tons of people in our church who are a part of our church, who are involved in our church. I remember uh, one time we had a new guest, and, he's, and this this person who's not a believer, he stepped up and he said, hi, welcome. We're, we're Hope Alive. And we, I was like, yes, we are Hope Alive. Yes, we are. Because he felt a part of what God was doing. And so we want to see churches planted in Japan, not only our church, but over the next uh, few years, over the next couple of years, we have a plan to not only um, see Hope Alive grow to consistent, faithful, um, and self-supporting, but that out of Hope Alive, that more churches will be planted. Because as we think about 127 million people or 33 million people who've never heard the gospel, we know that one Hope Alive is not enough. We know that a few churches here and there are not enough that we need to be reproducing. And so we're praying that God would send people from Japan, from America to Japan to plant churches. We're praying that in our church that God will raise up people who will be a part of the next church plant. And so we we don't wanna just see one church come about that we hope over the next few years that God will continue to bring about more churches and more people. And so as we think about this, as we think about your involvement, your church is already involved in huge ways. We wanna say just a huge thank you for how you are involved. Uh, But we just wanna ask you three really quick things that you would consider. Number one would be to pray. We believe that prayer is the most important thing, and that's why I present it to you first, because it's the best option. A lot of times we say, all you can do is pray, but we come to you today and say, the best thing that you can do is for pray for God to work at Hope Alive, for lives to be changed. Every Sunday at our church, we pray intentionally, and we ask our congregation during our prayer time to pray for lives to be changed, for people to be saved. For people to be baptized, and for our church to impact our community in a way that if we ever left, if we ever moved out, they would miss us. That's what we pray for, is that we could impact our community in a way that it would point to Jesus and give glory to God. And so we ask you to pray about that. Pray for more churches to be planted. Pray for God to continue to raise up missionaries um, here in America to go to Japan and in Japan to plant churches in Japan. And so as we pray, pray for that, we ask that you would continue to pray those things. We also have a newsletter that I would love to, um, to send to you every month just to kind of give you an update about how you can pray more specifically. And if you'll see me in the back, I'll, I'll have a sheet for you. You can give me your information. I'd love to have your email. Uh, but also, um, we would ask that you would consider going. A few, a few years ago, I guess maybe two and a half years ago, we had a couple come to our church on vacation. And they, they walked into our church to just give a gift and say thank you. They were taking a, a 25th anniversary trip. And they said we want to tithe off that trip to Hope Alive and, and give a small gift. Their church had given a gift as well. We just want to see what the ministry is like there in Japan. And by the end of that trip, they said, we want to live in Japan. We want to work in Japan. We want to find jobs, and we want to be a part of Hope Alive. And you're not going to believe it, but within three months, they wrote me and said, we have a job in Japan. Can we come work at Hope Alive? And we were like, yes. And so they got a job in Japan doing not as missionaries, but just working in Japan, which may seem Incredibly crazy to you, but now thinking about all the ways that people can work remotely, the opportunities to do whatever job you do, but just do it in Japan, is continuing to open up. And so we ask that as God would work in your heart to go to Japan, whether it be as a high school student, whether it be as a college student, as we have internships, whether it be as a short term two years, like I want to give two years of my life to share the gospel in Japan, or the rest of my life to use whatever gifts that God has given me. We pray that you would just consider going to Japan, if. God would put that on your heart. We would love um, to talk to you about that and ask you also just to pray that God would continue to send people to share the gospel. Um, amongst the unreached. And then just to give, as you give every Sunday, we, we thank you for how you give and how your church giving is, is supporting what God is doing. So as you give in the offering that goes to support Hope Alive, and we just want to say thank you uh, for doing that. So those are just a few ways that you can be involved in the ministry. I want to ask you to continue most importantly to pray that God's name would be known among the nations. This morning, if you have your Bibles, we ask that you would look in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we think it's really important that you pull out your Bible or that you look at your Bible because there'll be something maybe that jumps out to you that maybe this afternoon you'll want to uh, go back and read, that you'll want to underline, that you'll want to take notes, or maybe you'll want to memorize and say, I want that to continue to speak to my heart this week. And so John chapter 4. And I want you to think about where you were in 1991. All right. In 1991, actually, I lived here uh, in Russellville. In 1991, I got, I I really don't know a lot of things. I remember tons of things from 1991. Maybe you were just graduating high school or college. Maybe that was ancient history for you. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was the year you got married. But in 1991, I got for Christmas Tops 40th edition baseball cards. And they were wrapped in cellophane. And you know what they told me when I opened them? Anyone else, probably parents tell them this lie? These are going to be worth millions someday. Anyone else parents lie to them like that? They had good intentions. My parents had good intentions and they bought lots of really good things that hopefully were going to be worth something someday. And so I didn't open them. I went to open the cellophane it was like, no, 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 they won't be worth anything. Like, let's put them up. Yes, let's put them up. And so we bought a locker and I put those and that locker is actually still at my house in Tennessee. It's in the basement area and if they're ever become worth a lot of money I'm going to cash in. Right now they were in 1991. I think they were $20. Now they're worth $60. So it's still got a long ways to go before they're worth it. But I have them just in case. And sometimes that's how we engage with the gospel. Right, We we receive the gospel that Jesus died for us and then we put that up on the shelf and we wait until someday, maybe when we die or we're close to die, that we'll pull that off the shelf and say, oh, but I have these baseball cards. Oh, but I have the gospel and it leads me to eternal life. But in this meantime, I'm going to put it down in this locker and I'm going to leave it there until I need it. But I would also submit to you that the gospel is less like those baseball cards and it's more like your cell phone. And I know that the cell phone can be distracting in a lot of ways. It can cause a lot of problems. But truthfully, the cell phone that I use interacts with every aspect of my life. My friendships, my contacts, my relationships, my job, my work, my hobbies, all of those run through my cell phone. And that's really how the gospel should be with our life, that it intersects with every aspect of our life. That, that, that our hobbies, that our friends, that our relationships, that our contacts are all interacting with the gospel. That the gospel is not just eternal life, but it's abundant life here in this life. Abundant life here. And what does that mean? That means that as we believe that we celebrated last week, right, the Easter, that Jesus rose from the grave, that he rose from the grave, and that that gives us new life in Jesus Christ, that all of our sins are forgiving, forgiven, and we're able to walk in newness of life, that God has led us every day, and he will continue to lead us to his purpose and to live for his glory. And so it's not baseball cards that we put up on, on a shelf, it's the cell phone that interacts with every aspect of our life, and that is the gospel. And we know that we want for our lives to be purposeful and intentional. I don't think I've ever met someone who didn't have that desire for their life to count, for their life to be worthwhile. But so many times the reason why the gospel ends up not intersecting with every aspect of our life is because we become distracted. You know, the average person is distracted every 40 seconds. And I think you would believe that because have you ever had a conversation with someone like this when they were talking to you? Has anyone ever had that conversation? You're like, are they listening? Like, are they with me? We're easily distracted. I've been that person and I've talked to that person right? Who's distracted? Whether it's your cell phone, whether it's your watch, whether it's your children, whether it's that light that keeps blinking and you're wondering what that is, right? Distractions come. That's so normal. Distractions come in our, in our everyday life and they distract us from what is important for the gospel that intersects with our life. And so in John chapter four, we have the story of Jesus and the disciples that as they travel from town to town They're going from one town to another. They're performing miracles. Jesus is teaching and doing amazing things. And Jesus is so intentional with what he's doing. And as we read the story in John chapter 4, too many times it's like my life. The disciples are so distracted. And so as we look at John chapter 4 verse 4, we know um, and we see that the disciples are going from Judea um, to Galilee. But in between there was Samaria. Samaria. And Jews and Samaritans hated each other so much so that when they were going, instead of going through Samaria, they would go around Samaria. Many of you who have been in church know this story, but think about that. Think about how much you have to dislike someone that you would walk around, not drive around, but walk around a city. But doesn't that happen to us when we begin to get distracted? We do things that we never thought we would do to, to prove a point to someone, and we become so distracted. But Jesus is pointing to us in the story that when we have the right spiritual focus, God will do amazing things in all of our life. And isn't that what we want, for God to do amazing things in our life? I think we can all right now think of someone in our life who without God's amazing intervention— that they uh, uh, if they continue on the path that it will not go well for them. And we know, we can think of them, we can see their face that God needs to intervene in their life. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone that you know that you've been praying for for a long time. But we all know people that we want God to move in an amazing way. Maybe it's maybe it's me. Maybe it's our own lives that we want God to do something amazing. But we live so distracted from what he wants us to do. And so, as we look back at the story that, that um, the disciples are hungry, and so they go off to find food, and Jesus goes to the well. And and many of you know the story that Jesus meets a woman there at the well in the middle of the day. Jesus, who is a Jew, this woman who is a Samaritan, enough reason for them to not interact. Jesus, who is a male, this woman who is a female, another reason for them to not interact. This woman who's coming in the middle of the day, who is an outcast. Jesus, who is not. All reasons why they should not interact. But Jesus is speaking to her value as a person, as he shares with her that he is able to give her living water and it's this amazing discussion that she begins to to share like who who are you and he he points that he is the messiah we see in in verse 31 meanwhile the disciples were urging him John chapter 4 verse uh, 31 Oh, sorry go back verse 18 John chapter 4 verse 18 Jesus points to that he is the messiah <coughs> and he points to John chapter 4:18 he says, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. And she said, what you said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And so he's, he's pointing her, I am more than a prophet. I am the son of God. And she said, we've always looked for this Messiah. And, you know, the Samaritans say to be on this mountain, and the Jews say to be on this mountain. But really, we've just, we're all looking for a Messiah. And Jesus says, I am that Messiah. Messiah. What an awesome moment. And if this were a movie, the music would be swelling, right? It would be awesome. You feel it. And then as you read the story, you see the disciples like bust into this picture and the music stops. And I think it would sound something like, uh uh-uh, like just literal stoppage of music, stoppage of everything. And the disciples are wondering, why is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman? Why? And no one wants to say that to Jesus. And so they, they come up with something else and they say in verse 31, 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? You know, they're wondering, does Jesus have a secret stash? Does he have a friend in Samaria that he didn't tell us about? Is this why he wanted to go through Samaria, not around? They're, they're still, they're distracted. They're worrying about food. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so Jesus is pointing them to not the food that we eat in the physical world, but the food that we eat in the spiritual world. And, then, and what does that mean? It means that we're seeking God's will for our lives. That as we look away from all the distractions, that we look around us and we see that there are people in our life that need Jesus. Now I have a picture of Tokyo, Japan, and I, I would love for, for them to put that up. And I want you to see this is Tokyo. Again, 33 million people that live in Tokyo. And I want you to look at this picture and grab one building, grab any building with your eye, but pick it out. This is not a magic trick. That sounds like a start of a magic trick, but it's not. This, I want you to look at one picture and I want you to grab one building and that building would represent all of the Christians in this area. And every other building on this picture would represent people who've never heard the gospel, people who do not know Jesus as their Savior, people that do not have a Bible, people that will go through their whole life without anyone telling them that Jesus died for them. 27 million people 127 million people or 33 million people in Japan. But is this uncommon? No, 3.1 billion people in the world have never heard the gospel. And just like Tokyo, Japan, live in an area where there are no churches, where people are not going to bump into a Christian. And what do we do with that? Like if we believe that heaven is real, if we believe in abundant life in this earth, If we believe that, if we believe that God has called us after he rose from the dead to go to the ends of the earth and to share the gospel, what do we do with that? That's where Jesus is pointing us to the right spiritual focus. And you say, well, I may never go to Tokyo, Japan, but what about Russellville, Arkansas? As I looked at the statistics uh, yesterday, I saw that 50% or 47% of people in Russellville, Arkansas consider themselves religious in some way. That would mean that the other 50%, that means five out of every 10, one out of every two people that you interact with today will not consider themselves a Christian that does not know Jesus. And that brings it right here to us. That around us are people that need to hear the gospel. And as we say, when the need is great, we look around and we see that the need is great. We also know that the opportunity for impact is also great. The opportunity for God to do amazing things is so great because as we look at the darkness in Japan, as we look at the darkness in the lives of people around us, or maybe in our own lives, we see that there's darkness, but there's also hope. And so we see that Jesus is pointing them away from what he ate for lunch and he's pointing them away from this woman and who she is. He's pointing them away from the fact that she's an outcast and he's pointing them the idea that he is doing amazing things in her life. And so as we think about um, all the people around us, A lot of times when we think about the people that we want to minister to, immediately we begin to think of our own insecurities. Immediately we begin to think about all the answers to the questions that we do not know or maybe that we have ourselves. And so we say, I don't feel called to be a missionary. I don't feel called to take the gospel. But as we read the the Bible, we see that it's not a calling of a missionary. It's not a calling of a pastor, but that God and Jesus, he gave us this commission that all of us would share the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I love this quote from William Booth, what he said. He said, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you, Go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful well for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. And then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body, and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. And that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples in verse 35 when he says, as he's trying to point them away from the distractions, he says, do you not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? He says this in verse 35. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Jesus is asking us. He's asking the disciples. He's asking me to look up from our natural inward focus and outward to the spiritual impact that he wants to do through us. God wants to use you to be a part of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And he has given you specific gifts. He has created you uniquely, given you unique relationships that you can share the gospel with people around you. As me and my wife lived in Japan, we went, we were missionaries. We got a degree. We learned Japanese. And then we looked around and go, how do we share the gospel with people around us? And so we just began to pray and ask God to bring us people that we could share the gospel with. And he did. We felt like, oh, this is our job. How do we do this? And the answer was prayer. And as we began to pray, God began to bring people into our lives. When we lift up our light, our eyes, God will do amazing things. Jesus, but how do we see that come about? Jesus answered that question in John chapter two when he said to them, again, talking about the harvest, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Earnest prayer. The word earnest means consistent and faithful. And I want that to be said about my prayer life. That the way we see God do amazing things in our lives is through prayer. And when we pray, we will see two things happen. We will see, number one, the hand of God at work. He will answer our prayers. I want you to listen to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. It says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him anyone who says to this mountain be thrown into the sea I asked my kids the other day I said do we believe that as we read the bible verse and I looked at my son Eli who's here with me today and I said do we believe that and my son without missing a beat he said do we believe that mountains are in the sea that mountains can be thrown into the sea he said yeah dad last year in school we learned that the largest mountain in the whole earth is already in the sea so do I believe that God would put the mountain in the sea yes I do And I thought, man, I want to have that kind of faith when I pray. Because when we pray believing, and when we pray bold, confident, specific prayers, he will do it. We moved to Japan um, about, about eight years ago. And after about a year of Japanese language study, we'd studied really hard for a long time every day, and we were really bad at Japanese. And we had a two-year-old. We had, uh, sorry, at that time, we had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I went to school in the mornings. My wife went to school in the afternoons. Uh, we came home, we cooked supper, we did homework. We watched one episode of Downton Abbey and we went to bed. And that was our life for like a full year. And we we're like, we need help with, with this. We need help. And so we begin to pray, God, where would you put us? Would you give us a place to put our kids? But we don't speak the language very good. We don't know what to do if they were to call us. And so my wife began to pray about three specific things that they would happen. She said, number one, I just really want a place where someone speaks English. Number two, I really would love to know how to get our kids in. I don't know if we can even get in. What's the process? We don't know the process. So we need to find a place where we can get in. And number three, God, this is a lot, but would there just be one person there who's a Christian? God, maybe just one person there who's a Christian. And so we walked across the street to the to the closest place to our house and we didn't know the process so we just walked in and you know when foreigners walk into a place in Japan people respond and so everyone started scurrying and they walked in and the lady said to us hello in English hello wait one second I'm going to get someone who speaks English. We were like well, that's kind of crazy because that was English. So she comes back and the headmaster of the school comes out and he says, oh, we've, we've been watching you guys out the window. We know all about your kids. And we would love for you guys to come to be a part of our school. You're, you didn't do it the right way. The actual right way is uh, kind of crazy. But uh, we're going to take care of that for you guys. Um, and all of this in English. And we're like, oh, in English. He said, but, and, and actually you, can, you guys can get in. Uh, he said, but let me, let me call one other person to come help you guys. Um, she actually speaks really great English. Again, the whole conversation is in English, uh, but we're like, awesome. And so around the corner walks Meg, and Meg grew up in uh, Nebraska. Uh, She's Japanese, so of course she's perfectly fluent in English, perfectly fluent in Japanese. And um, he said, this is Meg, and Meg said, I'll be glad to help your kids adjust to life here uh, at this preschool. I think they'll love it. We'll be glad to have them. And um, I said, tell me about your bracelet. It said Jesus Lifehouse on it. She said, well, actually, I moved here a few months ago uh, to help plant a church here in Japan. And so we got into the school and someone spoke English and someone was a Christian because God cares about even the small things. Because sometimes when we pray, we don't pray for two reasons. Number one, we either doubt God's goodness or we doubt his power that it's so small that God, this is not important to you, or God, this is so big that even you can't handle this. But when we believe that God is good and we believe that his power, we we pray and we believe that God will do amazing things in us. And so number one, we believe that we'll see the hand of God at work and that he will answer our prayers. And number two, that we'll be compelled to act on the things That God is leading us. That as we pray, God begins to work in our own hearts. That he begins to give us opportunities to speak of Christ. As we pray for every day, natural opportunities. That as we walk in a relationship with God, that he would give us natural opportunities to share the gospel. Not awkward opportunities, but natural opportunities that as I pray, that as I spend time reading his word, that it's so natural that as I talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks or I talk about my hobby, I also talk about Jesus in the same normal and natural way. Because we talk about what we're passionate about And so we're compelled to act on the things that God is leading us to. And so we pray that God would teach all of us to act. That as, he, as we pray that God gives us opportunities and then he gives us the power to obey and to take that next step. And so we pray bold, confident, specific prayers and we watch God when he works. It says, in John four thirty nine, that many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we now know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. And I love the ending of this story that these people came and they heard because the woman told them and then they heard because Jesus told them but then they believed because they experienced it for themselves. And isn't that what we want to happen in Tokyo, Japan and in Russellville, Arkansas and all over the world that people would experience the power of Jesus, that he would change our lives, that it would be so normal to be uh, spending time in prayer that out of the overflow of our relationship with God, that we would speak a word for Christ that's so normal and so natural because we're passionate about it. And we see our friends and our family come to experience the life changing power of the gospel. That's what we want. And when we look away from the distractions, when we we look to God, when we look out the fields uh, and the harvest and we spend time in prayer that God will do it. He is able. I wanna encourage you, he is able to do it. I love the story of George Mueller. And if you haven't read his autobiography, I would challenge you because it's literally a diary of every day God's faithfulness. I think he had over 7,000 documented answers of prayer. He had many friends who came to Christ because of his prayer. He ran an orphanage. He began to look around at the needs in his community, and he saw that orphans were a great need, that they didn't have a place. And so he started a children's orphanage for girls. And then they said, well, now we need one for boys. And they said, now we want one for babies. He ended up having 12 Orphanages, All of them run by faith, as Hudson Taylor used to say, moving men by God through prayer. And only through prayer did he run these orphanages. Only through prayer did he distribute Bibles all across England. Only through prayer did he see all of these amazing things happen. And, and, and everyone knows the story, maybe maybe you've heard the story of one morning as they woke up in the orphanage, they had no bread. And so they woke up and they said, Hudson, what are we going to do? We have no bread. Or sorry, Hudson, but George, uh, what are we going to do? We don't have any bread. And he said, gather the children around the table. And then he prayed this prayer. He said, dear God, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. And he said, amen. There was a knock on the door and there was a man there who said, God woke me up at 1 a.m. There's a baker. He said, God woke me up at 1 a.m. and I just felt like I needed to bake this bread for you guys. He said, can you guys use it? They said, absolutely. And they got the bread to the children. And that was the story of God's faithfulness. Not just that story, but there's story after story after story of God's faithfulness, independence on God, bold, confident, specific prayers. And as you read George Mueller's story, as you look at the beard that he can grow, you say, I'll never be like him, right? I want to be like him. But I'll never be him. Maybe he's just a spiritual giant. And George Mueller feared that we would say that about him. And so he wrote this. He said, I desire that all the children of God who may read these details may thereby be led to increased and more simple confidence in God for everything which they may need. Prayer may encourage them to pray particularly as it regards the conversion of their friends and relations, their own progress and grace and knowledge, the state of the saints whom they know personally, the state of the church at Christ at large and the success of the preaching of the gospel. And so he said that I hope that when you hear stories like this that you don't look and say, oh, George Mueller is great. I hope you look and see George Mueller in dependence on God prayed, and that makes me to want to spend time in prayer believing that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, and we pray according to his will and for his glory, and we look and say, God, we pray that you would move this mountain in the sea for your glory, that he will do it. And that's the kind of lives that we want to walk in dependence on God. That as we look away from the distractions, that he will lead us to an amazing relationship with him. And out of the overflow of our relationship with him, our friends and our family and Russellville and Tokyo and the ends of the world will be impacted with the gospel. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that you have given us to walk with you, to know you, the Creator of heaven and earth, Lord, thank you that we can come to you simply through prayer. That, Lord, we can come boldly before the before the throne of grace, Lord, because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we can ask confidently, Lord, that you would use all of our lives to see amazing things happen. We all have people right now, Lord, that we give you in our life. That we pray that you would you would allow salvation to come to their life. That you would be with prodigals that would come back to you, Lord. That we you would restore marriages that that you would bring children uh, back to the faith, that you would help people who've never heard the gospel in this town or have heard it and have been jaded by it. But Lord, that you would use everyone here to bring about amazing things for the glory of God. God, we give you all these things in praise and worship and ask you, Lord, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather and to worship. We thank you for all that you're doing in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.